good evening. Welcome to the Irish NFL show. The show in Ireland is better cracked than a late late on a Friday night. Welcome into Colin. Welcome into Brian and last, but, well, not last, but not least this evening. Uh, Mark as well. Boy, special guest. We've gone for 15 minutes. We're just going to bring him in. We're assuming you're all well. Yeah, all good. All good. All good. Yes. All right, let's let's bring him in. He doesn't need an introduction, but we will give him one anyway. It's the uh, king of Hawaii at the moment, uh, Mr. Jeff Rainbow. Now he's got yeah, the glasses are on. Here he is, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> welcome in, well, welcome into the show, man. How's it going? It's going good. How's it going in Ireland? You got this kind of weather? Man, it's, 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 it's we, we have we have we have sun. We just don't have heat. It's, it's basically the same, Jeff. Basically the same. Hawaii is that laid back that they haven't changed it. Like Jeff, they haven't changed the clock yet. I mean, we changed the clocks last week. Jeff, let's jump into it because because I, I, I know you've got fifteen minutes and there's a wee bit of a delay or something. So, um, last night, man, Falcons coming to London. I mean, you must be obviously in your job. You must be excited. But I think for just for general NFL fans in the UK, Ireland, and Europe, just fantastic news. Yeah, it is. It's big time news. And, and uh, you know, I'm especially happy for all the Falcon fans. You know, Falcons UK is such a strong group and has done so much to try and promote the game and get people involved with their team. Now to have an opportunity to have, you know, I, what I think is going to be a much improved football team over playing at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is big, big, big news. Now the question is, who do they play? Who do they play, Jeff? Here's the list of potential opponents. The Lions, the Patriots, the Jets, the Eagles, and the Washington football team. Uh, who's your money on, Jeff? Who's going to be playing the Falcons? Well, I don't know if I'm going to put money. I don't know if I put money <laughs> on any of them, but i tell you what. When you look at that group of teams, certainly you're talking about Pack Stadium because the Patriots have great following in, in London. Uh, the Washington football team, you know, their fan club is very, very strong. You know, the Lions would probably be the one that, that has the smallest following in, in the U.K., but it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be a great matchup. For me personally, as a kid who my first football team was the Lions, I'd like to see Dan Campbell's bunch because I think they'll be exciting. I don't know how good they're going to be, but I think they're going to be exciting to watch. And Jeff, then keeping on the theme of the, the Falcons, obviously we're less than four weeks from the the draft, if you were the GM in Atlanta and you had that fourth pick, um, would you be looking QB of the future um, to sit behind Matt Ryan for a year? Are you looking at, at Kyle Pitts, the, the freakish tight end, or could they take you know the, the best tackle in, the, in the, the college game for years in Penny Sewell? Well, I think you know you got to weigh all of that out, but certainly right now, what they're doing, I'm sure, in Atlanta is they're looking at their football team and what they've been able to do in terms of upgrading their football team and free agency. And, you know, how far are they away from making a serious Super Bowl run? Because Matt Ryan has proven he's good enough to take a team to that level. So if you go quarterback with that fourth pick, then you're, you're banking on the future. You're saying that your future is the Super Bowl run. Uh, I, I, I tend to think that this is a very talented football team in Atlanta. And I think I would look at that, you know, another possibility that you didn't mention, guys, is trading out of that fourth pick for more picks. You know, they're going to be teams. Right now, when you look at this thing, there are four quarterbacks that will go in the first round. And there are 
So there's more teams that want quarterbacks than there will be available to them when they pick. So the Falcons have really some leverage sitting at number four because realistically, Ryan probably has two more years, three more years left on his body. And, you know, if they feel they're tight enough to the Super Bowl window where they could trade out of four and get multiple, get another first rounder and maybe another second rounder and another, you know, a high pick next year, then, and you've seen what the quarterbacks, you know, cost on the marketplace, then I think you're putting your football team in a position to be, uh, you know, to be a, a factor in this coming season. Remember, this is an Atlanta team that didn't have a problem competing, didn't have a problem scoring points. They just couldn't play defense and couldn't close out games. Jeff, you uh, you spoke to us in the past about players and the scrutiny coming up to the draft. Cole Beasley, you know, being the one where you got phone calls around his attitude and stuff. The past week, Justin Fields is getting a lot of bad press. And when the season ended, it was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And now he seems to be falling down the pecking order. He's down as the fifth pick in most, dra in most mock drafts. And people are saying his attitude is not right. What's your thoughts on that situation? Well, I think, you know, again, every one of, of the players that's got a first-round grade is going to be really, really dissected. And they're going to look at every single possible thing. Obviously, when you look at what happened last year, you know, in Tennessee with their first round pick, uh, you know, you can't have that happen to you because that kills your draft, it kills your draft and it kills your draft for a couple of years. Now, when you look at Justin Fields, I think, you know, he sank a little bit after the national championship game and then he's rebounded a little bit. I thought he had a good pro day the other day. Again, and it's just you got to remember, you don't have to satisfy everybody just got to make one team believe that you're their guy and I think there are teams out there that believe in Justin Fields athleticism uh, they believe in the arm strength that he demonstrated in his pro day all the other things again they'll put that under you know I'm sure an intense intense you know focus but I do believe that he's going to be a first round player Jeff, um, the 1999 NFL draft famously had five quarterbacks in its first 12 picks. I think the only two other times it's ever been done in terms of the first round of 1983, obviously with Elway, Marino and others, and 2018, which yeah. is still to be determined a little bit. Given that 99 had Tim Couch and Akili Smith amongst others, do you think the quarterback talent this year with the potential maybe of five quarterbacks going in the first round, maybe five quarterbacks going in the first 10, 11 picks even, do you think it's more like a 1999 year or has it got the potential to be a 1983 year and a truly historic one of that position? Well, you know, 83, you know, that's going to be a tough one to match. 99, you better hope not, you know, um, because you're talking about some serious draft busts in there. Uh, you look at this, you look at these guys, I think this is a better crew than when Darnold and that bunch came out. Um, I really like Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, has got everybody's number one pick tagged and already, you know, toe tagged. He's going with the number one pick to Jacksonville. I think Wilson will be the second one off the board. And then when you start talking about the next guys, there's still a little bit of question about all those guys. Now, they're going to – you got to understand, too, at that position, you're always going to overdraft the player, right? How many of those guys are actually the top 
15 or 16 players in the whole draft. I would say two, maybe three. But we may see five go in the first 16. So, again, it just comes down to teams' needs and what what these guys have been able to do in their individual workouts, in their pro days, and their, you know, in the the selling job that is the interviews. And, you know, like I say, it only takes one guy to like you. And if one guy likes you and one one organization, one owner says that's going to be my guy, then, you know, he'll pull the trigger. If not, you may sink. You know, you may be Aaron Rodgers and sitting in that green room all by yourself at the end of the first round. That's the, you know, that's the dynamic that we just can't call. Well, if they if they turn out like Aaron Rodgers, I don't think they'll they'll mind too much. Um, just just one quick follow on though, Jeff. I don't get old news now about San Fran, but given what they've given up, is it? I mean, I use the analogy to World War too often. Uh, a bit Operation Market Garden or Army. It's a bit, is it a bridge too far in terms of what they've given up? Well, you know, this is the, everybody's dissecting that 49er deal and. And I thought, first of all, let's let's give credit to Chris Greer and the guys in Miami because I think they did a great job of, you know, setting themselves up for the future. Like they control their own destiny for the next three or four years in terms of the draft. Now, how they use those picks, whether they mortgage them, whether they use them, you know, again, that's all to, remains to be seen. But at least they've given themselves the ammunition. San Francisco's put themselves in a position where everybody is saying or taking for granted that Jimmy G's out of there and that this new, that they would not have traded up that far and given up that much if they didn't feel like quarterback was the, was the position they wanted. Now, which quarterback? Well, I don't know. Everybody, I, you know, a lot of people I talk to say Mac Jones and that surprises me because, you know, Mac Jones is a winner. He, he's got a lot of intangibles. He can be smart. He, but you're not talking about a real athletic guy. You're talking about a guy that has to do it, you know, has to do it with his mind and with his arm because he's not going to do it with his feet. And I think that uh, that's not a great fit in Shanahan's offense. But, you know, it, it, who knows? It, you know, again, they've got a plan for sure, and they're executing that plan or they wouldn't have pulled the trigger on this trade. We're going to try a, a quick question each year, Jeff, before we go. Uh, first one from me. Obviously, interesting news this week with the eight-year deal from 2022. I guess for Europeans, not just people in the UK and Ireland, but for Europeans, incredible potential with, with these hopeful games in Germany. Uh, just your thoughts on that, Jeff. And secondly, can you imagine an NFL game at Croke Park or at Lansdowne Road in Dublin? It, it would be a good laugh, wouldn't it? Well, I'll tell you what. To be honest with you guys, I'm really protective of the games in the UK because the UK fans are the ones that have really made all this possible the way that they bought tickets the way they supported the television the, all the things that they've done to make it viable for mexico and for germany now i know this from my time in nfl europe germany has a really really intense deep-rooted love of the national football league they will fill olympic stadium that will be a great great environment to watch a game but i think what's going to be really interesting to me is to see what Jacksonville is going to do in terms of their Wembley negotiations. Because I really want to make sure that we get four games back in the UK. And then, then hopefully those games will continue to spread from there. I'd like to see one in Ireland. You know, I think you guys have got a beautiful football venue there. You know, obviously there are other places in Europe where you'd like to see games. But certainly uh, I think those those are places where we get four maybe, you know, they, they talk about 
multiple, multiple teams coming every year. So, shoot, the more the merrier. Jeff, just interested in in your thoughts as a as a coach and and having been a, been around guys like um, the Bears, Matt Nagy. It's come out that he is going to take play calling duties back. He gave them away last year. Now he's taking them back. And um, for guys in the locker room, is does that mean anything to 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 see the coach give it away then take it back? Well, I think it means something. Obviously, you know the the thing that that when you look at that Bears situation. With Nagy, you know, giving the play play calling duties, then taking them back, then giving them, now taking them back again. You know, it's just the instability uh, that you know that really makes it tough on players. Because guys, we could all sit in a room and say blue and to an athlete, and that could be four different shades of blue. Now it's all blue, but it's my shade is maybe light blue and yours is dark blue, and you know so. It's really tough on a on an offense that's struggling when there's constantly getting pulled, and every every guy that calls plays calls them differently. Every guy that sets the first fifteen sets it differently. Um, you know, I just really think that the Bears re- they're making a mistake again. They need to settle into what they want to do and just go do it, because Andy Dalton doesn't need in his first year and in a year where Nagy's got to win, he doesn't need the distractions. Jeff, the last time we had you on was the week before free agency started. Um, just interesting to see which teams you felt did really well in that period. I know it's March and April and no Super Bowl has won, but is there any standout teams based on what they did during those two weeks? Well, well you make a good point. First of all, I'd be very cautious about winning the offseason, right? Winning the offseason. I mean, go back to, you remember the, the time the Eagles went out and they got... Namde Asmoan, I mean, it was an all-star team, right? And they called it, the, you know, that, that they were going to not lose a game. I mean, it was just like the dream team, the whole deal. And they were, they were, I don't think they were 500, and I don't think they made the playoffs. So winning the offseason really just gives you a chance, right? And like Coach Vermeil used to say, teams are built in the offseason. They're coached in the season. I think you got to look at the Patriots and say they did what they had to do. They needed to get talent around Cam. They needed to address the tight end issue. They needed to get the receiver thing straightened out. I thought they did a good job. I thought Denver did a good job on defense. The question will be remaining whether Locke's good enough for them to win. Um, you know, you go through, and I think most of the teams have done, you know, a good job. And, and that's a kind of a relative thing because. You look at Indianapolis, and I don't think they did much in free agency except getting their own back, and then they went out and got the quarterback that they think can lead them to the promised land. So, you know, if if he goes in there and they go to the Super Bowl, they had a great free agency period. If he goes in there and plays like he did in Philadelphia this year, then everybody's going to say, why? What, what? What? Why didn't you go out and get somebody else, you know? So, again, it's just it's all speculative right now. But I do like I do like some of the things that have gone on. Like I said, I, I think uh, you know Buffalo's done a good job as they always seem to do. New England did a good job. The Patriots have done a good job. You know, and some of it is letting the right guys go. You know, and keeping look at look at Tampa Bay. What an incredible job of keeping a team together after the Super Bowl. That's hard to do. Again, toughest job you'll ever have in coaching. Is the, is the year after you win a championship because everybody's got their hand out and everybody wants to take a bow. 
Everybody wants to be told it was because of them. Jeff, I love you harking back to that infamous Eagles team, actually. I mean, when, you're, when your backup quarterback, I think it was Vince Young, dedicates you as the dream team, that's never a good sign a few months out from the season, of course. Um, I want to bring you back to the draft, though, Jeff, because actually, you know, dwelling on that 99 draft, you know, it was, it was you know, three quarterbacks went, then you had Edge James, you had the Ricky Williams trade, the infamous Ricky Williams trade, obviously, of the Saints. And actually, it set a record of the latest pick for any defensive player. It was, of course, the man from Michigan, Champ Bailey, went uh, in the first round to Denver Broncos. But this draft kind of feels the same. It feels like there's an over-focus on offensive players. You know, even when you get past the uh, the quarterbacks, it's Pitts, it's Devontae and things like that. For you, and and given what you've seen so far, let's focus on the defense a little bit. Like, who do you think are the three best defensive players out there because there's a chance these guys can slide to teams that really need that defensive help. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you want my answer on that one, you better watch Coffee with the Coach every Tuesday because we are stacking our defensive board right now. And we stack yes, the defensive sir. linemen. And, and I'll be honest with you, Christian Barmore, he's a good football player, right? But I'm going to tell you, that, that defensive ta- – we looked at the defensive tackle. And the defensive tackle is not a deep position. There is, you know, there's about maybe, maybe two guys that will go in the first two days, in my opinion, unless they're overdrafted. And, you know, obviously I think Sertan, and you look at the secondary, that's where the strength of the, the draft is to me in the deep, in, you know, on defenses in the secondary. Um, there's some edge guys that are good players. But this is an offense-heavy draft. It's a draft that's loaded with receivers. You've got three or four guys, tackles that have the potential to be first-rounders. Now, they may get pushed out of the first round because so many quarterbacks are going to go. But, see, that's another thing. You know, everybody's all enamored with the first-round pick, right? Well, sometimes guys get pushed out of the first round that are really first-rounders because another there's a run on guys at another position. So let's say five quarterbacks go in the first round, right? So now we're down to, what, 26 other picks in the first round? Well, you got to be a really, really, really outstanding player now to be a first-rounder. So some guys are going to be second-round picks, which is going to cost them money, and teams are going to say, well, he's just a second-rounder. Well, he had first-round grade. That's the most important thing. How many guys have first-round grades? And I would say to you, on defense in this draft, there are less than 10 guys who have first-round grades. Jeff, I, I know you need to go just very quickly, man. Uh, couple of things here. Marion from the West of Ireland says hello. Colin says, looking at Jeff, I want to move to Hawaii. One guy said that Crow Park <laughs> isn't good enough to host an NFL game. We'll talk about that after. Uh, and then somebody finally said, Jesse, let's go Jeff and Neil in a bar in, in Dublin called Copperface Jacks. Book it. Uh, and finally, Jeff, for everybody watching, you can catch Jeff Tuesday, 8 p.m. He's got Richard Graves on. Not Robert Kraft, but Richard Graves. Uh, Tuesday, 8 p.m. on a show, Coffee with Coach. You can check that out on Jeff's Twitter page and on Coffee Ryan Bold on Twitter. Jeff, thanks a million, man. Go enjoy the waves, yeah? Appreciate you. Guys, I appreciate it. It's great talking to you. And again, have a great day. You thanks, too, man. Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Here's Jeff. There we go. There, there was uh, Jeffrey, gentlemen. Welcome in. How are we all doing? Good. Good. Can, uh, can we give uh, just a, a quick shout out to Matthew Rosnell, who was our videographer when we were fortunate enough to be able to record that live show. Just uh, wish him wish him well and uh, hope he makes a, a speedy recovery. 
Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you it was great that. to watch another uh, day. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was class, Chandler Jeff. I, mean, just, I, I felt I felt I felt to go farm a forest, uh, Jeff, in the sunshine, and you know, enjoy living it up, and we're here at ten o'clock well, in the afternoon. That's well, that's what it was like in Dublin today. That weather, like, I don't know about what it was like up north, but it was. It's it was lovely up here today. Day, you know, yeah. up in vaccine time. Uh, talking about vaccines and talking about stuff that you can do once you have a vaccine. <laughs> the Falcons are going to London. Now, here's the question: Will will, will you boys have the vaccine by then, or should I stop talking about it? Uh, no, I thought, Michael, the question was when exactly are you going to apologise for when I kept saying that there will be a game in London this year and they're going to schedule one and you kept poo-pooing it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for yeah. <laughs> I apologise. Does that count? I apologise. Oh, I mean, answer. it still hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, you know, as it stated last night, I think it caught everybody off guard because it came out like, what, 5 to 12 called last night. The Falcons announced and they're coming to London uh Lads, you know what? Let's go around. Let's just do a round table before Colin Kelly comes on at half past ten. And folks, if you want to get your questions in, please feel free. This really came out of nowhere. Uh, any source that I spoke to boys talked about the fact that usually the teams would know by December, January. I know it's a different year, but this came out of nowhere. Colin, who are the Falcons going to play in London? For me, uh, I'm going to say the Eagles. I'm hearing whispers this evening that Philadelphia are the team that they're playing in London and that they've heard. So I've really put myself out there now. That is the whisper in the north. <laughs> um, I I, ha I have heard absolutely nothing. I don't have any connections, but I think what would make it very interesting would be obviously if the <clears throat> the Patriots were to roll into to London. I think that's what everyone is going to want to see, given the money that they have spent. And given that, you know, this is um, the Bill Belichick has now had the opportunity, uh, whether whatever they decide to do at QB, but we are a year on from Tom Brady. He has had the opportunity to move on. He will have had an off season to, to work with these new signings. Um, it would be fascinating to see how, how that will go. And it will be interesting to see what the, the Falcons do with that, um, that number four pick, because obviously look last year, they were um, terrible defensively, uh, but they, with, with Julio uh, there, if Julio can get fit this off season, um, you know, they, they obviously offensively are a, a very strong team so um, I think whoever comes it should be an entertaining game Brian it was announced the other day that well it sort of leaked the other day that one of the games that was supposed to happen officially last year was Miami against New England do you think New England gets over this year? I don't because um, New England would sell out any year and if there's a risk that the stadium will not be full and bear in mind the new rules where you come once every eight years, um, I don't think they would run the risk of bringing the pages in a situation where they might go ahead with the game and it's only 60% of the crowd full and they lose out on the opportunity to have a full house with the Patriots here. So no, I think they would, would shy away from the Patriots on that side of things. Um, I think whoever they pick the game will sell out whether it's full or not and uh, I think they would probably look at the scenario like the Lions potentially coming over and um, the Eagles is a good show but um, we're all in, we're all kind of waiting to see what comes in the schedule it's not coming out as early as it normally does they've, they've left it to midday mm. this year so mm -hmm. we'll have a lot of uh, back and forth before we really know but I don't think it'd be the Patriots so I think they'd run the risk of not having a full stage and then you won't see them again for eight years which would disappoint a lot of people who would love to go to the game and can't get a ticket because of COVID reasons. Mark do you want to put a ballpark on what the figure is for 
the attendance being allowed. I mean, it obviously stated that last night. They're really trying to keep it, and I, I, it's, it's understandable. You would have to speculate half attendance would be the minimum. I know I'd go higher. By that stage, the UK and the US's vaccine rates are going to be through the roof. So I'm actually... Look, the Premiership is actually going to tell us more than anything in terms of how the government reacts to opening up the Premiership and open up Stadia in that regard. So we'll know clearly from that. I'd go higher. I'd go 75% with some degree of COVID controls. On the team, you could make an argument saying, well, Michael, nobody's heard anything, so clearly it must be the Patriots because nothing comes out of that place anyway. But I actually would say, if I'm looking at it logically, I would have to say it has to be an NFC team because otherwise you're giving the Patriots a pretty much unfair advantage because this year then they will have nine home games, one neutral site, and only seven true away games. Um, whereas the Falcons, of course, are only going up with seven home games, one neutral site, and eight, uh, sorry, and nine away games. So they're, they've got a messed up schedule, and that's the, the beauty or the curse, depending on your point of view, of the 17th game. So if they do play the Pats or the Jets, both AFC teams, they will have a uniquely uh, favourable schedule um, beyond all time. So um, my bet would be more towards the Eagles and the Washington, Red, uh, yeah. Washington football team because of that. It does seem I would hedge my on the Eagles just from what I've heard this morning. Well, I'll tell you boys off there. I'll tell everybody else after because Brian laughed already. You know, you know what we're going to do once uh, we chat to our next guest, and we'll do this before the end of the show. We're going to have a very detailed discussion. We got a good comment there saying the Crew Park wasn't suitable for uh, NFL game, uh, and I think it's good. It's, you know, I think we need to discuss the eight-year thing. We did. We had a chance to talk about it on a five or six-minute video. I think it'll be an interesting conversation after. But we're going to bring in our next guest if he's ready to give us a thumbs up. Uh, hopefully, he's all good. Happy days, right? Uh, Colin Kelly, uh, you can get him on at Overtime Ireland on Twitter. Uh, he's the host of Rule of His Overtime. Colin, I think you're in Donegal, so I'm presuming your Wi-Fi is as good as mine. Welcome into the show, and I love the top. Hey guys, yeah, I thought I'd represent uh, represent the county colours here when we're uh, when we're jumping on today, Rich. Show. So uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 very welcome, mate. And uh, it's good to have somebody more up north now. I I'm sort of thinking myself <laughs> after this COVID cracks over, it's going to be hard. Colin getting these boys up around like Derry, Donegal, are actually for a week up. I mean, I, I can already see Mark's face there. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I have uh, it, but it's just these boys. <laughs> I think when people start to come up towards us, they get nosebleeds when they start to come up this part of the county or the country. <laughs> so uh, let, let's hope they'll all come up and join us. Maybe. <laughs> I, uh, I I like the the Johnny Gold tap. I could uh, I could see um, uh, Michael Murphy in uh, as a uh, as a wide receiver or a tight end. Probably uh, he he certainly has the the ability to go up and uh, and get the ball. Uh, Colin, can you talk to us a little bit about like how you first came to to love the the NFL? Uh, to be honest, wearing the Stony Gold jersey was a bit of a, a fluke. I um I had a shower about two hours ago, and just by chance, when I was coming down the stairs, this top had been in a press for kind of a thing that we did about a month and a half ago, uh, related to Donegal, and hadn't had it. My wife actually lifted it out of the kitchen press today, where we had it sitting. Not a normal place to have your your jersey sitting, but obviously not much uh, Gaelic happening at the moment. But it just happened to be sitting at the bottom of the stairs, and I thought this is too good of an opportunity to pass up and. It works well into the story because you'll see behind me there's some different Packers uh, gear up and um, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan and a lot of the time it'll come up, how did I become a, a Packers fan? And one of the most simple reasons was because of the colours of the jerseys. Um, you know, blends in well with the Donegal 
county colors um, that was the the first reason i can't really give you a definite reason how it all came about i remember watching you know sky obviously expanded their coverage um probably around 15 years ago now but it was one of those things sunday evenings uh, i used to play a lot of soccer i'd come home after a game on a sunday i'd be absolutely shattered and it would be a chance to kind of sit down and watch the tv usually if you're playing especially in a big county like uh Donegal, you're going to be traveling quite a long distance to play some of the teams. So by the time you got back, the soccer was kind of wrapped up. Um, and then it just happened to be that the the NFL happened to be on for whatever reason it caught my eye. A um, couple of Super Bowl parties later, usually that's how most people get into it, it's the Super Bowl parties and having a, a good time. Um, and then I just, it just kind of expanded from there. I, I don't tend to do things in half measures, so I kind of became a bit addicted to watching it. Um, and then from all that it just expanded i started i remember on twitter i think it was 2013 i had a i seen a tweet there was a guy in the the uk ollie connell is his name uh, he was looking to expand his podcast to have a bit like the around the nfl podcast they used to have at one time you know they would have had sessler and them on after rather than as part of the dave damashek podcast and it expanded out from that and he was kind of looking to do something similar obviously you know we like to copy the guys that are doing it at the big stage so um Following on from that, then um, we ended up, me and my brother, being the back end of that show. Do not ever try and search those shows. They are not good and <laughs> you don't want to listen to them. But uh, from that, it just expanded on. And I, I couldn't tell you how it ended up uh, where I am at the moment with podcasting. But uh, the NFL is a lot of fun to watch. And like you usually say, it, anyone that watches it will say it. It's just, I think a lot of the time, it's just giving it that time to sit down, understand the rules a little bit. And, um, after that to be hooked but um that's kind of where it came from and it just expanded and i mentioned there 2013 i can't believe it's like eight years ago since i started in podcast it doesn't feel, <laughs> i feel like i'm getting old now when i started that story <laughs> colin can i ask you about the packers you know we know we have quite a you know we know quite a few packers fans and it's kind of a sense every year that it's a given that they'll have a good season make the playoffs win the division but there's been some tough losses over the years in the playoffs. You know, three championship games I can think of straight away. The Falcons, where they were blown out. The yeah. Seattle game, where they threw it away to a certain extent with the onside kick and letting Russell Wilson come back. And then obviously this year is one probably even more frustrating than ever. Um, what, what, what is it? What's, what's, what's the situation? Why do they always seem to just not just get so, over the final? It's a fun trip down memory, memory lane. You took me on there. Sorry about that, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll always say that the loss to Seattle um, in 2014 is the worst, uh, one of the worst sports losses. I'm a, an Arsenal fan as well, um, so plenty of bad losses there too. But it and the, the Carling Cup final loss to Birmingham City um, are the two that probably sting me the most. But I remember it's like that game, they were kind of in such control that it felt like, oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. And I remember having that feeling that, yeah, they're going to the Super Bowl. And then the way it fell apart, the onside kick and... You know, we know what Russell Wilson can do, but like he had four turnovers in that game. It seemed like it was just going to be the Packers day, but um, quite negative play calling at a couple of different points kind of cost them. But they have had crushing losses and it's that balance of, you want to have a team that has great seasons like the last two seasons, for example, two years ago, they were 13 and three. Maybe they weren't as good as the record. Last year, they were definitely as good as the 13 and three record, but it's a team that usually is delivering but it's like you know if somebody's in the champions league only one team can win the champions league come the end of it and it's a bit like the super bowl like i would much rather be following a team that's getting to those points and losing than losing every single week that's kind of the balance and they are crushing losses like the 49ers 
uh, I didn't have high expectations above before that, but you're one game away from the Super Bowl, but they got absolutely destroyed. So um, this year, then it just felt really it felt like a, a missed opportunity because like the way they played just before the half and things like that, they give up a lot of kind of easy points. So these things happen though. Um, you know, the Packers have been a team that have been consistently performing, but they have also been a team who consistently then lose in the playoffs. So it's it's a tough balancing act um, for them. This year, again, the expectation is going to be for a full run at it. Um, the last two years, you know, there was a lot of unknowns with Matt LaFleur coming in. How would things work with him and Aaron Rodgers? They've obviously worked fantastically well. The last two years of Mike McCarthy and probably a couple of years before that were quite stale. So, like, if we see what Rodgers and LaFleur did in year two of that offense, it's going to be very fascinating to see what they do in year three. And obviously there's a lot of talk around, we'll probably talk about the draft gnome, but the Packers and, you know, obviously they drafted Jordan Love last year and they obviously took a running back in the second round and that didn't really help them last season. But the Packers have always kind of tried to draft and develop and whether that's going to be to their detriment here with Aaron Rodgers, um, we'll just have to, to see and play the long game. But the way that offense was last year, the way some of those younger players have developed, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what they can do in the draft this year and then how things play out. It would have been lovely if they picked up one of those free agent wide receivers, but you know they, they did hold on to Aaron Jones, so that was a big, big move in free agency. If they had made a move to sign Aaron Jones and he wasn't a Packer, you know, everyone would be over the moon about it. So um, they also still have Devontae Adams, who I'm expecting them to probably re-sign this offseason. So the only question mark really at the moment is around Aaron Rodgers. Um, and it's a big question mark, but he's going to be there this year anyway. So let's see how they, they make a run at it. I think they'll be they'll be pretty close this year again. Yeah, I mean, they've still got a great team, Colin. But, you know, they've got to skew their own players first. So Aaron Jones was a great pickup, but of course they've lost Corey Lindsley, which yeah. I think is going to be a big boom for the Chargers and maybe something the Packers have to get over. I'm an Arsenal fan as well, so I do feel your pain. <laughs> uh, I really do feel your pain. But, you know, you just mentioned the 49ers then. It just suddenly struck me how much pain they've probably caused to the Packers over the years because there were the two Kaepernick playoff games. There's the, the catch two with Terrell Owens, if I remember rightly, from Steve Young, was against the Packers as well. So, you know, we all have our nemesis. Brian's a Giants fan, I'm a Pats fan, so you can imagine how much I love seeing him every week <laughs> sometimes. Um, but it happens. We we will get to the draft in a second. Before we do, if I'm right in recalling, I think the Packers are the only team who hasn't played in London as of yet. And obviously with the news and the announcements about London recently and the wider European and international series, just wondering about your thoughts on that, because obviously the Packers will have to leave Wisconsin for somewhere in the world. And, yeah. you know, there's always a chance now they, they, they will kind of be compelled to come to London. Yeah, uh, well, when the news came out, like obviously with 17 games, there's concerns around player safety and things like that there. But like when it came out that each team was going to have to play an international game, the first thing I wanted to see was if the Packers were playing. Even I always thought that it would be a case where a home game would never be played outside Lambeau Field. So with the 17th mm -hmm. game, obviously now that's a possibility. But there was always the possibility of when they were scheduled to play somebody else who had to give up a home game, that that game would possibly happen. Yeah. There was a few years ago they played the Jaguars and there was quite a bit of speculation it would have been that year, but it didn't come about. So look, I would love it if, it, <laughs> if there's any chance that they play in, in Wembley. I'll be, I'll be booking those tickets pretty, pretty sharp. Uh, I've only got to see them uh, twice in, in person, once in... Uh, 
Tampa. Uh, they played against the, the Buccaneers, actually, and the other time um, against the Giants in MetLife Stadium. So uh, both times they also lost, which was not good. So, uh, But I, I would love to see them uh, over this way, and I would definitely be heading over to see it. So it has to be exciting for all fans. Um, I know I was listening to you talking to Jeff, and you know the, the thoughts of some of the like, not having games, obviously, this year, I was quite surprised actually that did come up and they have have the games this year. So, I don't I don't expect them to come this year. But um, look, if they come in the next eight years, I'll be pretty happy with that. Callum, that last MetLife in, in MetLife was on Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend in November. Yeah, it was. It was actually. This is do, how do, bad do, it do, was. Do, was, do you know how? Do you know how I know? Because I was, uh, I was at it myself. Oh, were you? It was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was my. It was my. Um, my wife's birthday is the 17th of November and uh, we flew over on the Saturday and like, I don't know how I scraped it in, but all I remember it was so cold and uh, she uh, wasn't happy. She's gone to that game and the Buccaneers game with me. One of them was basically ice conditions and the other one was basically like it would melt you. Uh, so <laughs> there was, there was uh, both sides of the spectrum, but I think I've, I've lost all opportunity getting her to a, a third game, I think. <laughs> Okay. Sunday night in November in New York is quite cold, yeah. It's quite Sorry, cold. And we were quite far away from the field. And uh, if I am to remember, I think it was Scott Tolzien was the starting quarterback in that one as well. So um, <laughs> so, thank God we have Aaron Rodgers back at the moment. If it helps, Colin, I'm, I'm 0-4 of my team. Uh, okay. I'm not talking about that. Uh, we always say fifth uh, time, lucky. There's a couple of comments here for you. There's one from Marion. Uh, Marion, sorry, I couldn't get your question in for Jeff, but he had like 15 minutes and... He's dead for 20, so I feel really bad. Colin, you pure lad, Green Bay and an Arsenal fan, heart-wrenching for you. And then Colin says, if Colin thinks he has it rough for the Packers and Arsenal, try the Raiders and Spurs and a load of crying faces. Uh, let's let's move away from it, because my, I feel like I can, sit, I can ask you questions about Jim McGuinness and Seamus Coleman and stuff. <laughs> we'll keep that for another show, but uh, can, you, can you tell us, and maybe people that are watching that haven't heard of you or haven't seen your Twitter before, just, just what you do and and just you know obviously do you do like an nfl podcast daily weekly monthly uh, so it's all, all my podcasts now are based uh, around fantasy football and um, i do it with a there's a website that i, I work with called rotaviz.com uh, we i actually run the podcast kind of network for them so there's at the minute it's the off season there's a couple less shows at the minute but um probably five to ten shows a week at the moment but we would have ten shows a week during the season um, i do a podcast called rotaviz overtime we do that twice a week um, as, as part of the content there. So it links into the articles on, on their website. The, the website's very stats-based and analytical uh, kind of tools and that for fantasy football. So anyone that's interested in fantasy football, I'd, I would recommend heading over. In terms of the Twitter, um, I go through spells of trying to, to up my Twitter game and then I go through spells of thinking that Twitter is a difficult place to spend time where you want to be pretty positive. So um, it's it goes up and down. But uh, the one thing you'll always find there is if I do have shows, I'd like to be able to find them. Um, but all NFL uh, fantasy football podcasts. So anyone that's interested, like um, I think, I don't know what you guys, um, I think a key way for people who are kind of on the fence about watching games is if you have players then on fantasy football teams, if you're playing even and some people will be playing maybe just DraftKings or that in, in daily fantasy football but when it all comes down to it when you have some players and you're watching red zone and you see those touchdowns rolling in it uh, it becomes quite a, a good watch along and that's how a lot of people then get get into watching it so look some people some people fantasy football isn't their thing but i know with fantasy premier league and things like that there's there's a lot of people playing that but uh, fantasy nfl i think with the way you do like the season drafts and you're the only person in your league that has that player, I think, adds a lot to it rather than 
every weekend you can pick your own players. I think there's a lot of fun to that aspect. It's it's like a gateway drug, Colin. <laughs> well, that's the nice way, or that's the the hardcore way of putting it. Yeah, but it is like once you once you get into it. Um, I think it just like you start going down this rabbit hole of like I like this and then you find another format and then like I often will say that's it I'm having no more dynasty leagues I'm not having it and then all of a sudden somebody says look at this is one here and these people are playing it are you interested and then all of a sudden you're in another one so <laughs> it can be hard to hard to say no sometimes. I suppose um, tangentially to to that um it's like that oh, the old school RTE uh, broadcast <laughs> uh, at, at the end of the, the night. Very but well. tangentially to that, like when, you know, drafting in fantasy can very often be a bit like drafting in the league where you think a player is going to do X and then that doesn't quite work out. And I'm thinking last year around, you know, Henry Ruggs, CD Lab, Jerry Judy, these were the, the stars. They were going to set the, the NFL alight and then Justin Jefferson shone uh, brighter than all of them. Yeah. Um, in terms then of, of this year's draft as, as somebody, you know, who, who is interested in the game and obviously um, looking looking ahead, is there anyone that you're looking at in the draft who maybe is flying a little bit under the radar at the moment who you think um, could really be uh, a star in the league next year? I think this, this upcoming class is like, it's possibly as strong, if not stronger, than last year's class. There's there's a couple of running backs in it that are, are quite interesting, but there's a couple of wide receivers who really, I think, will take that. Like, we're, we're kind of spoiled over the last, I would say, three years in the NFL of these younger players coming in. Like, there's some guys last year who have been in their second year, and then there's some guys that come in as rookies who have really stepped up to the plate. And I think we're going to see this crop then come in and kind of establish that. So for the next kind of eight to ten years, we should be really flush with wide receiver uh, talent in the NFL. I think the position, I think, that's getting the most highlights because of the lack of depth at it is probably the tight end at the minute with, with Kyle Pitts. I think there's a lot of interest around him. When you get it, when there's a draft, and it's the same with quarterbacks, when there is only one or two, there's a lot of talk around those one or two, and they start to become the name that everyone talks about. But when there is four or five that are in a similar area, um, that's when then it starts to get a little bit more blended and people's opinions start to become a little bit different. You mentioned like guys like Justin Jefferson. like He was somebody last year who was a super talent coming in. But the thing is that when you have so many super talented guys, draft order and that can, can shuffle it. Like If we look back to this time last year, I don't think a lot of people thought Henry Ruggs would have been the first wide receiver off the board. And when we get to another month from now, I think we there could, could be a couple of shocks sprinkled in there. And especially this year with no true combine, no true pro days, I think those orders are going to get shuffled quite a bit. So we have the people doing their draft boards and things now, but I think what we see in the, the final product could be a huge amount different. And I think we're kind of seeing that even with speculation around let's say the the quarterback position like we have those guys at the top they've been the, the some of them have been the top prospects since they're 12 years old it's always been their destiny to go in that top end of the draft and then you'll see somebody move all of a sudden up or down that draft board and i think the big one we're seeing at the moment is uh mac jones and where his his draft capital could be and when you look at it like i think he's probably a top five quarterback coming into this draft but top five doesn't mean top 10 and i think that's where we're going to see it shake out like if we look at him with the the 49ers i think it's going to be interesting a lot of the talk is that he's kyle shanahan's guy but is he kyle shanahan's guy like is it going to be some sort of a smoke screen or are we all going to be surprised like i don't think you make that deal to move up to three for him but all all signs seem to point to it so 
he is a talented quarterback, but when we look at, you know, Trey Lance, you know, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, I, I don't think he's on that level. And that's where it's going to be pretty interesting uh, to see what happens. Um, like, if he goes there, then there's going to be values for other people. And then if if those, say, I heard Jeff talking about Aaron Rodgers too and the, the drop in the draft, we could see something similar here where if he isn't the 49ers guy, he could be waiting quite a while because I think he probably has a back end of the first round or a second round guy. And that's what makes it interesting there. But every year, and this is what happens in fantasy football as well, people will have their person that they like. And if you, there's only one, there's only one Mac Jones. If Mac Jones is your man, you have to go and get him. And that's the same with like, we've seen with the Raiders last year, rightly or wrongly. I think it was wrongly to go and get rugs. I think we're seeing. Like they wanted him and they had the conviction to go and get him. And I think that's very important because that will work at times if you have the, if you have the right personnel making those calls. It just depends if you have the right personnel actually making those decisions. So the draft, I think, is going to be quite a challenge because some of the players that you're going to be evaluating have not played like they opted out of last season. So we're going to have situations where guys have maybe dropped down draft boards a little bit because they opted out. But in terms of overall ability and talent, are better players than some of the guys that are going ahead of them. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams do that. And I think we're not really going to know that until teams are on the clock. I think we're going to, there's, there's going to be a huge fluctuation. I think it's going to be like, there's there's players this year, I think, that could possibly be, let's say, a third rounder who are just going to go undrafted. And there's players who would have went undrafted who will go in the third round. There's going to be that much of a influx. and Because... If one team's at a pro day and sees somebody that they mightn't have seen before and you know falls in love with them, that just shakes everything up. So it's going to be fascinating. My speculation around draft landing spots this year is I'm, I'm having a very, very open mind. <laughs> Callum, um, we were fortunate to have Michael Lombardi on this week and on his recent podcast, he kind of opened up to the idea that he feels the, the Packers would be open to potentially trading Jordan Love away if someone wants to reach out and offer him a first round pick. <clears throat> excuse me do you think there's any legs in that i don't think there's any legs in it but if it was to come up as an opportunity i think they probably would do it like it shows you like the see if we see obviously they've moved up to number three we've seen what the 49ers have given up this year the packers give up a fourth round pick last year to move up which obviously in terms of overall draft capital isn't going to really set them back too much so it's like when we have all this talk about like the packers shooting the draft of jordan love but then every team's going to give up the sun, moon, and the stars to get their quarterback. And like Jordan Love, while he may not be Aaron Rodgers right now, Aaron Rodgers wasn't Aaron Rodgers for his first three seasons either behind Brett Favre. So like, I, I think it'll be the smart move now when you've made that decision to draft him and you didn't use that first-round pick last year to help the team last year. I think it makes sense to keep him and to keep developing him. The only way that I see them making that move is if they restructure Rodgers' contract and keep him... You know, with guaranteed money beyond this season, because that's the problem at the minute is his guaranteed money is up after this coming season. So they could then pretty much trade him quite easily in terms of cap purposes. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. I'd like to see them restructure and then potentially move Lover or either keep him. You know, and the problem is going to be if they extend Rogers for two more seasons, they're going to need to dig up the fifth year option on Jordan Love before they've actually really seen him play. So, but again, that's part of drafting. Uh, drafting a quarterback in the first round and that's why they get paid the big bucks and we watch it on the tv <laughs> but if it, if it does come about i think i've seen like i think he linked them maybe with the jets i think it was um like i, I think there is sense to other teams looking for him 
But that also shows you that maybe it doesn't make sense to trade them away. Hey, hey um, Colin, maybe you get Sam Darnold back in return, you know? Uh, the still, I still have some hope there for Sam Darnold, but it's it's going to be somewhere better than the Jets, I think. Well, I mean, I, I keep remembering, like, he's 22 or 23, and, you know, he's a first-round pick. It's 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 remarkable, um, really, how he's been thrown away. It's the wolf somewhat. Um, you, I love your point there, actually, about, you know, if it's your guy, it's your guy. And sometimes that pays off in spades, yeah. um, you know, and sometimes... I don't know, Jared Goff, <coughs> Mitch Trubitsky come to mind, and teams subsequently regret uh, the decisions they've made uh, in it. respect of it. You alluded to the Packers, and I'll focus on them because, you know, you, your team and you folk, you know, you, you score them so closely, obviously. But their philosophy, and you mentioned it, has always been to build through the draft, not dip in free agency. Now, they've had salary cap challenges, obviously, this particular season, as many teams have had with the COVID cut. Yeah. Um, but... You know, have they moved away from that philosophy at all? Or do you see this being like a back to basics, get the draft right, build some weaponry, build some further uh, potential on the line? I mean, how do you see their draft going and what their key needs and focus is going to be on? So you mentioned about like, is that the way it's going to be? I think that's still going to be the way it's going to be in terms of uh, draft and develop. You'll probably remember, like, I think it might be three years ago now, they had free agency where they got like Zadarius Smith and they got Preston Smith. They splashed yeah. out on a a bit of money there and that has actually worked out really well from so far those guys have performed Preston Smith didn't perform really from the start of last season towards the playoffs come on a little bit at the end but they have done that on a consistent basis that was the first time they really made that splash and we thought oh this has changed but then it's been the same since again so they did it for need there and um, I think it's going to be the same like if you look we talked about Aaron Jones they signed him obviously drafted him have had him develop is one of the better uh, running backs in the NFL now. So they've kept him, Devontae Adams. Like Devontae Adams in the second season, people wouldn't give up, I don't know, a spare uh, you know, a spare pair of boots for him. You know, <laughs> And you see what he's developed into now at this point. So there's a lot of patience has to be with the younger players. We see that time and time again where they develop. Like David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, developed as well. Like you mentioned, Corey Lindsley, developed as well. Like they have this knack of offensive linemen in particular. Like they've had people like Brian Bulaga, who is actually, uh, I believe, one of the reasons that Bakhtiari has actually signed, or not Bakhtiari, sorry, Lindsley has signed with the Chargers. But they've had this kind of development process, and that's what I think they'll continue to do. And what happens then is you look at their winning record, you see that they're not consistently giving up a lot of draft capital. They're not giving out these big contracts where they're getting stuck with a lot of dead cap room. And that's how they continuously kind of are in that challenge. And what you'll see the teams who are at the bottom ends of the NFL, they're the teams that throw money at free agency. And then they have those high picks that they're trying to, to deal with. Like if you look at what the Dolphins are doing now, I think the Dolphins are doing a great job in terms of they have all these high picks, but they're moving back. They're getting more. They're basically giving themselves more tickets to win the raffle. And then that means that they're going to have a chance then to pick up these stars. And um, so it's going to be interesting, but I think that they're going to continue to draft and develop. The only question I really have at the moment is Aaron Rodgers' contract. And the other one is Bakhtiari got injured last season pretty early on but as a, a vital part of that uh, offensive line. And that meant, like, if you think they've lost Lindsay now, but they were moving pieces around that offensive line last year and still stayed very consistent. So they get back their, their star left tackle, and then they shuffle that into the order it was just outside of Lindsay, who missed a number of games last year, and they still performed at a high level. So I think it'll be the same. So when we look at the draft then, um, I think, look, 
they want offense. Everyone wants offensive pieces. I think we're going to see them go defense again. Um, each year, that's kind of where they go in the first two rounds. Somebody who came on very strong last year was Rashan Gary. He's coming into his, uh, he'll be 23 now all season. He's not 24 to December, but he was a first round pick a couple of years ago. He really struggled in his first two years and he came on very strong last year. So I think he's somebody who is going to help that defense. Jair Alexander is somebody they drafted as well. He's going to be coming up for contracts soon. In my opinion, he's probably the best cornerback in the NFL. The thing is that they have no cornerback on the opposite side of him. So they did let uh, Kevin King test the free agent market. He didn't really have any suitors. He's back on a one-year contract. It was him give up that big play for anyone that was watching the game against the Buccaneers just before halftime. But he is one of those players where he's going to have his good plays and then he's going to have his really bad plays. He's pretty good, but then he's really bad. He's kind of one, <laughs> there's no in between. So, uh, but they have him back, and I still think that cornerback is a need for them in this draft. I think he, ideally, he would be the third corner on the team. But if you have a rookie and you have that veteran presence, you still have an opportunity to kind of work them in and out um, opposite um, Alexander. The other position I think we'll see them work in is linebacker. It's been a consistent problem for the Packers, um, middle linebacker. Um, and they, they lost Christian Kirksey, um, which is probably a positive thing in, in free agency. But I think that's where they'll look to attack. Now, whether they do that in the first round, but I, I think we'll see one of their, their first three picks go on the linebacker. And usually when you're looking for a top-end cornerback, it, it's going to have to be in the first round. Um, you mentioned Bakhtiari. Just always my favorite stat is he got pipped by Trent Williams by 10 grand for the highest paid contract per year. Yeah. And he called him a, a, what was it, a cheap or a, no, a petty ass person, I think, on, on Twitter. Just there's a bit of banter between the two of them there. Well, both of them, I think, are doing pretty well financially. So I think that's <laughs> okay. But I do, I, I think uh, Trent Williams, that was the thing at the end of the contract, was just he wanted to be the highest paid left tackle. So they just like tacked on a couple of dollars just at the end. Uh, Carl, this has been great crack, honest to God. Uh, hopefully we can get you on again soon, even before after the draft. Uh, if anybody watches, this, obviously follow Colin at Overtime Ireland. Colin, uh, I promise you, if not this year, with COVID, next year, these boys are getting the Wasser um, and the Letter Kenny. And we're going to be in Derry or Donegal. Maybe Derry, because I mean, Donegal, like, I mean, I'm in Toronto, so it's... No, if I go to Illinois, yeah, well, you know what, we'll to, do it in we Donegal. To, we have to change all our uh, currency if we want to go into Derry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very but, much uh, for that. Appreciate yeah. that. I, I, do, I, I do think if we... Uh, I do think, though... Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be pretty cool. Obviously, this year, Super Bowl parties weren't a thing, but I think like trying to get some sort of big Irish uh, party is going to be pretty fun if we get something like that over the next couple of years. Definitely, sir, definitely. I uh, appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the build-up to the draft. Man. Thanks, man, for coming on. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Thanks, Colin. Cheers, Colin. Thank All the best, man. Yeah, that was great. Good to have somebody from well, the North or from Ulster boys, good, good crack. Appreciate the Dully All Man coming on, good crack. Thanks, Millingham, for coming on. Lads, uh, we're going to try and use the last ten or what I mean. Brian, Mark, these boys, okay, stay on for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah we're fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll put boys, there's a couple of comments here. Um, somebody made a comment earlier on, and I'm still laughing at it just in, internally. Uh, can we wipe? Can we? Can we have a whip around to buy columns some AirPods? <laughs> That's from Frank Bergen at uh, Jeff was on. Uh, oh my gosh. You cracked. 
He's, he's heard worse than that, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he can't, he can't use AirPods when he's trying to do air traffic control. So, yeah, I know it's Colin as in the boy under me, don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the way he was before he called him, like, call him, call him. I, I don't know, he hasn't really, he's not saying much about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, we're, we're gonna get into this because you know, we're 57 minutes into the show and we can talk about this because it's three minutes to 11 o'clock on a Friday night. Boys, the other night there was rumors going around. We knew for weeks that the owners' meeting was this week, and suddenly it comes down that there's two games in London contractually. Obviously, different games can happen. There's two games in London, a game in Germany, and a game in Mexico or overseas. So you can imagine, and Jeff said it earlier on there, you, you can sense it. If you are a UK based NFL fan, or hell, even like something in Ireland, because you can fly over to London pretty easy, that might irk you because it's you know, usually you're, you're used to four games, hell, three games max minimum. Um, it's just an interesting concept, and maybe just go around and chat about this in a second. But you know, it's it's a very interesting deal for the NFL. It's going to be interesting, lads, to see. You know, will we see a game in London over the next ten years? Or sorry, in Dublin? I'm sure we'll see a game in London. But will we see a game in Dublin? I mean, will Tom Brady be in Croke Park? Look, that's it. I've got the graphic. I mean, if Tom Brady's playing in Dublin, oh, well, it's going to be about fifty-five. I mean, literally. But I was thinking as well, if it happens and if we're at the Aviva, uh, I, I had to put that up for the other night. <laughs> it's going to be good fun. You know, there might be more touchdowns scored than goals in an Ireland game. That's right. I, when I saw that photograph the other night, I just didn't understand why Colin had taken Andy Dalton's quiff with him. You know. <laughs> but more so, boys. Perception, diversity, inclusivity. I'm thinking, let's have... Tayson Hill at Raven Hill. Let's have it at Raven Hill, unless a Frank Mitchell MC in the week that it is. Uh, and, and let's let's do it. Uh, thank you very much to Frank as well for the memories. But let's uh, start. Paul, we'll start with you. Just just your thoughts on this eighth year date for me personally. Um, unreal because I can't see the Jaguars happen. And uh, not unreal. It's unreal to anybody outside Ireland. It's it's hard to believe because I can't see how. Personally, in the short term, when Mark goes away, I can't see how London gets four games. Because if the like, why would the Jaguars, with Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, agree to two games? I just I can't see it. Um, well, a couple of things. Um, I, I suppose the only reason I could see Tom Brady, um, you know, co coming over is uh, to, to battle it out with Johnny Cooper over who has the most championship rings uh, at that point in time. Um, the the Jags one is interesting because obviously, look, um, Can tried to buy Wembley and um, they said no when they should have said yes uh, because it never made sense to me from the beginning. Um, England has incredible football stadiums all across the country. If if England had gone basically on tour, they played a, a game um, in London either at Arsenal or Spurs, gone up to Newcastle, gone to Manchester. It would have made way more sense. It's what they do in Germany. It, allows fans from all over the country to see it. Um, they could have landed Wembley off to Cannes and they could have still got it back if they really wanted to use it occasionally. Um, now Cannes holds all the aces, right? Because he does have shiny Trevor Lawrence on a five-year contract. Um, and he has Urban Meyer, who will be shiny for two years before he goes off some someplace else. Um, but it'll be a hell of a lot easier to sell those tickets in Jacksonville all of a sudden. So Wembley are going to have to make a serious offer. I, I 
I think, to bring the Jags there. They may they may be willing to do it because given COVID has killed concerts, you know, Wembley's got to be hurting. So they may well do it because the Jags will sell it out if they do if they do come over. I think clearly the NFL have a plan to grow and expand the game. I think it's fantastic. Um, as Jeff said, that the, the game in Germany should be amazing. I do think you will see games um, you know, over and, and around the, the world over the next kind of decade or so. I wouldn't be surprised if you were to see a game in Rio. I wouldn't be surprised if you were to, to see a game in Tokyo. Um you know, we're, I'm not saying um, in t- two or three years, but in a, in a decade's time, absolutely. Look, this is, uh, Mark keeps talking about the $25 billion uh, mark. That's only going to happen if you grow um, around the, the globe. Um, and that's what they are going to aim to, to do. They've been really good about it. Look, the deal that they've done in terms of TV, uh, really impressive. So I think... Um, you will you will see the game continue to to grow and develop um and will we see a game here i'd love if we did but i'd say it's a little while off michael you said that you you commented there about the fact that it's 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 easy for the irish fans to go to, to the uk to watch a game but i, I honestly think most irish fans this week would be uh, pleasantly surprised and, and happy with the, with the news that the game is going to germany because with all due respect to, the, to people in the uk it's a new experience for fans if they get the opportunity yeah. to go to Germany, watch a game over there. Um, I actually feel this week the fans have actually kind of fallen out in a bad way because if the Jags do not come to an agreement to play two games at Wembley, well, then we're actually down to a situation where the games are reduced. And from my point of view, and I imagine you would agree, your first protocol would be to go to the game in Germany. I'd imagine they'd have some kind of rule of thumb where 70% of the ticket allocation goes to German nationalists and then the other 20% are sold at a later date was then, you know, you can imagine the, the scramble to get a ticket for that game, which then followed you back to going to a, a UK game. And if there's only two UK games, with still the demand for people to get tickets to go to those games, again, less tickets, more people want to go to the games, people follow. So I can, I don't think this is actually, come, the fans have come out this the right side, unless the Jags come, come up with something. And that's why I think the NFL potentially already know that there is a, something in the offing at some stage to, you know, to show back to the fans that they will still get the four games in the UK. But it's up in the air. As for the Ireland team, by the time the Ireland game comes around, it won't be Tom Brady that you'll be putting on the, uh, on the screen grab. It'll be someone else. Someone that we probably haven't, hasn't even come into the league yet because I don't believe we'll be seeing it for at least hey, five or six years. Brian, it could be Benjamin Brady. Tom's only son. You never know. It's all possible. Marshall Manning. Marshall Manning at yeah. Davis Stadium playing the yeah. San Antonio Texans. I, I, I think was, we've all lost a bit of weight in that photograph, so we'll be fine. Jeez, I've lost that photo of you guys. You look very happy in that photograph, Brian, I was going to say. Fair, yeah. I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm watching Red Zone on the monitor, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will just say two things on this really quickly, Michael. Um, number one is, you remember how London ended up ultimately getting games. And remember how Mexico and the Azteca Stadium have ended up ultimately getting games. They started with preseason games. So you're asking the question, will there ever have an NFL game in Ireland? Well, let's start with a preseason offering. And yes, there's only going to be three preseason games now with the 17-game season. But that's almost how you build it up. That's almost how you establish it. Ireland and the Aviva have proved they can hold American football games. We've had the college game and the college bowl is, is due to return in due course again obviously highly improbable it's this year and i can't remember if it's been called off officially or not but you know it's called, off, will, 
Was it called off? Yeah. So that will come again. But that's the way to evolve it. That's the way to evolve the story. Can I see a world where, hey, the Pittsburgh Steelers would love to play in uh, Croke Park or the Aviva, or the New York Giants would love to play it with the Irish American connections? Of course they would. Like, this is inevitably what's going to happen. Now, the second point is, and Colm alluded to it, the growth of the international game. Um, as the Kirkwood, we all noted, uh, left NFL UK recently. Um, huge kudos to him and the whole team there and what they accomplished over the period of time that he was in charge there. We now take it for granted that we have London games. Bear in mind the first London game wasn't until 2007, and the, uh, the New York Giants, of course, played the Miami Dolphins in a god-awful game, to be fair, in a bit of a mud bowl but they still plowed ahead. They continue to establish it. They continue to sell it to the US and they continue to build the game here. And now what's happened is they've gone through an evolution. Now they've got Brett Gosper in place. And you talk about vision on a wider sense. Probably filming the CEO of World Rugby, he'd established a World Cup in Asia, which people didn't think could happen. Not only did it happen, it was a huge success. He brought rugby back to the Olympics. He is going to bring this wider European view, this wider expansion internationally. And yes, could that be good for the game and potentially growth in Ireland and maybe get a game at some point? Yes. Does it mean it's going to become less UK-centric? I think inevitably, yes, as well. Mm. Hopefully, it, it, if it does, if that does happen in terms of being a UK-centric, hopefully it still works out for for UK fans in the sense where they still have a few games and obviously the channels, etc. Maybe more NFL UK live tours and stuff like that there. Uh, for me, I think a game in Ireland is inevitable at some point in the next decade. I really I, do. I, don't, I, I think, don't think the UK fans would be opposed to travelling over to Germany either. You know, people are saying oh, of course, the UK yeah. fans are going to be disgruntled. They'd be delighted to have an opportunity to get out of the UK for a weekend and then go and experience something different for a weekend. So I think everybody's the winner in the sense of the game being in Germany as long as we can get tickets. But we're the Irish NFL show, so Michael will have that on box off. We'll be doing, we'll be doing <laughs> well, the show. I, I would put money on this, boys. I would say the first game in Germany will be an absolute beezer. There is no doubt about it. The, the, the Germans are in for a treat. If you go, well, I mean, then again, who played in the first game in Wembley? Do you know what happened yeah. after they played? Do you know? Do you know who won the Super Bowl? Like, yeah, know? we know. All right, then okay. let's okay. let's get them off. Right. You, you have to, you know. But Michael, here's a here's a, here's a kind of a quandary in relation to it as well. Is that um, you know, if you if you have a game in Ireland, and you you made a call out comment earlier on about this, that Croke Park isn't a great stadium for an NFL game. I don't know if that sounds like sacrilege, but from an NFL perspective, in terms of corporate hospitality and like that, that it does have its weaknesses. Whereas the Aviva obviously maybe is stronger in that regard, but far less capacity. But you compare the numbers, that's two stadia. Like, I mean, Ravenhill, I know you're joking. Parky Green, uh, uh, no, I'm not joking. I think, I think Ravenhill is, is, is a good option. I think it's a good it option. Is an I mean, Winter Park's only 25. It's not even a good training ground, for Christ's sake. Okay, can I also make the point, um, you, you, say oh, about Crow Park, you say about Crow Park and the car, corporate side of things, like some of the stadiums in the NFL are very run down and haven't been invested in you know so they might come and look at crow park and say this is absolutely fantastic <laughs> Bear that in mind. i with, with crow park it's the the history of and and we've taught we've had people on this uh program with peter king who talked about 
visiting Croke Park and was absolutely blown away going on a tour of the history. Um, so that's part of it and that's part of the package. I mean, when you look at how the NFL have sold Ireland uh, previously, uh, I can imagine that that whole history that would, would all be, be a part of it. Um, and they're... At, the, at this point, the vast majority of stadiums, um, if they, there, there's very few stadiums at this point that haven't been done up. I think um, they, when you see that, obviously the Raiders have moved into their their new home, um, the the Vikings are are in theirs. The Broncos are probably one of the the teams who might be looking um, at some point within the next decade at potentially, um, you know, redeveloping uh, Mile High Stadium. There's, there's also yeah. an upgrade plan in place for for Crow Park, so you know. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. If the game came over, I'd love to see in Crow Park, but bear in mind as well. If I say, as I say, starting with preseason, the other problem is going to be timing, because then you're talking about them coming over just before the All Ireland Finals or in the middle of All Ireland Final territory. And can you imagine the uproar if the the turf was ripped up and but you know, but 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 but. Who played at Crook Park the week before? Was it the hurling final three years ago and the whole thing was wrecked? The GAA boys. I have a lot of time for the GAA in, in many senses. The GAA will not turn down a lot of money. And I think a game at Crook Park between the Steelers and Patriots in pre-season, would, I, I would take that right now. Imagine me getting on the, getting on the train, boys. Imagine Mark lives around the corner from from Crow Park. He'll put you up the night before, you know. Might even no, be a show from his <laughs> going by the standard hotel price probably, but three fifty marks that is that right? Yeah, is that is that pounds or euros? I I have not Michael, I live in Dublin. How would I know the hotel price in Dublin? Yeah. <laughs> um Michael, the man that has a pound spends a pound. Don't worry about it, you'll be fine. It'll be grand, you're grand. Um anything more than the it'll be grand. No, no, I'm all right. Any final words or any final topics, boys? I have nothing else to be at, you know, lockdown until at least. Well, he's also in lockdown, eh? I mean, yeah, this is a. Well, just on, because Brian was mentioning it earlier, the, the Justin Fields stuff, I think, is. Um, is really interesting because they they've had to to roll back on that, and part of that is a backlash that came out about it. Um, and some of this is, hey, look, we're in lying season, and you never know what's true and and what isn't. And a few years ago, there was a report that came out about RG three and how RG3's attitude wasn't good. And then there was pushback immediately about that and how that was all wrong. And well, you know, as we sit here today in 2021, so um, what what you hear and what gets pushed back on, uh, I think I you, you never know what to, what to believe uh, at, at, at the moment. And so I, it's really difficult to know. And uh, I think that will be uh, one to, to keep an eye on. I, guys, teams are trying to get guys to, to drop and, uh, you know, fall into their laps. Yeah. Lies, damn lies and statistics or lies, damn lies and rumours at this stage. Um, gentlemen, it's nearly Saturday, so we should wrap up. But before we wrap up, please tune in tomorrow when we have a very special guest with Michael Lombardi kind of joining us on the Irish NFL show. Uh, which will be going out live tomorrow night. Until then, I bid you all a good night and hope to see you tomorrow. And uh, take it easy, everybody. Thanks for joining us. God bless. See you tomorrow night, boys. See you tomorrow night. Uh, take care. Be good. Bye-bye.